We're just oppie boys living in an oppie world because we're talking movies. We're talking Oppenheimer starring Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, and Emily Blunt based on the book American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer by Kai Bird and Martin J. Schuer, written for the screen by Christopher Nolan, who also directed Chris, amateurs chase the sun and get burned. Power stays in the shadows. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves, and the world is not prepared. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Uh, For the first, not the first time, but the first time in a long time, Scott and I actually saw the movie together. Uh, We saw uh, 70 millimeter prints of Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan, Uh, and we had to endure a hour long car ride, not basically not talking about the film because we talk about the films and you're hearing them as we talk about them. So, Scott, take us away. Wow, you just <laughs> fucking took my opening. Uh, <laughs> That's what you get for t- stealing my quotes most of the time. Which I actually was like, I thought just because you, I think you said it multiple times when we were at the thing, the whole uh, here I, I come, the destroyer of worlds. I was like, well, I can't, I can't take that quote. Scott's going to use it. And then you uh, flip the script on me in there. So yeah, yeah, because I figured that was the one you were going to take it because that was the first quote on IMDb. I'm like, well, that's the one Chris is going to take. Let me scroll down a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, as Chris said, somebody told me I had to fucking watch this movie in 70 millimeter. So the 10 p.m. tickets to an IMAX 70 millimeter was purchased. And after some misdirections, because somebody can't hear her, his uh, Siri or whoever the fuck Samson's is and some close calls because, you know, he decided to turn into lanes that were ending with poles in front of us. We fucking made the show. Uh, I'll say this though, it was it's a beautiful movie. It's stunning to watch, and I think what makes it stunning, and I know Chris is going to um, beat me over the head with this, is just how simplicity these shots looked, right? Because a lot of them were just you know Cillian Murphy standing there staring at the camera in rain, but it's just like fucking beautiful to watch. So what I'm hearing is you love to watch men. In the rain okay that's uh that's fantastic thanks scott thanks for coming out buddy we all have a type <laughs> <laughs> and yours is uh a an uh a, a super skinny cillian murphy smoking cigarettes in black and white that's your type well i like the color parts too but you, you do know like you know why some were in color and some were in black and white right yeah, because some were subjective and some were out and also from his perspective. And then the black and white stuff was the other character's perspective of him. You're good. Yeah, it's, almost, it's almost like I was uh, getting myself ready to do a podcast about this movie. Uh, so. I know. Eh? So this movie, how much did this movie, what was the budget for this movie? So it's uh, it's got a $100 million budget. Uh, I know that Christopher Nolan in his like list of demands. Uh, so I, ho- I just want to read some of these stipulations. So first off, it's $100 million budget. It had to have, uh, like, also the uh, a matched marketing budget. So we're in the two hundred million dollar range for you know all costs in, uh, and so far it has done thirty three million. Uh, we're recording this. It, did it come out Friday or Thursday? 
I think it came out Thursday. Usually Thursdays are late, pretty th- late nights. Thursday. Yeah. So you guys are hearing this like a week after it came out. So that 33 million number will have moved uh, because we're recording it on the Sunday after it came out. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's no Barbie numbers. Barbie's done 77 or something like that as uh, as of the time of this recording. Here's the thing. Do you think after watching it, do you think this movie does have the legs to pull a profit? Do because mm. I have a theory. So I think uh I mean there's not a lot else on that I'm aware of that's coming out this summer. So like this sucker could like and it's gonna it's uh so some of his stipulations, uh Christopher Nolan's stipulations, uh it also include a three-week period before and after the film's release where Universal can't release another film. So he's got this big block of time in the theaters, he has taken up all the IMAX theaters. I'm going to say that it's at least going to break even. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see this being a billion dollar film, not because it's not good. I just don't think that the audience is there for a three hour, <laughs> you know, super serious. And, you know, I was talking to our producer right before he started, like I'm having trouble explaining the feeling I get from this film. And I do have a quote that I'll use later on, but for me, it the, the word serious, like it just felt like a serious movie in a, in a way that like, schindler's list felt less not less serious but this felt more serious than schindler's list and one is about the holocaust like um anyway what's your theory what's your theory on whether this thing's gonna i think it's gonna break even yeah i think it'll get around to to 200 now on its first released and i think this movie is going to sweep the oscars oh yeah which then it's gonna get re-released and that's when it starts making its profits that's my guess because I think a, this but and, and a profit can't be wrong, not even no. once. <laughs> no, a profit can't be wrong. But uh yeah, because that's that's I love I how know. every film we do though, you're like, uh so this is an Oscar film. Uh, this one I agree with you. <laughs> no, this one will. I I one hundred percent Cillian Murphy, uh best, best actor, actor, which will lead to, you know, a twenty-eight year later sequel with Danny Boyle. Because <laughs> now he you know, now they're like, Hey, he's a lead actor again. Right. Um, I think yeah, you're referring for, to what uh, 28 days later. Yeah. So now yeah. it'll be like 28 years later. Right. Cause it's been a while, <laughs> but um, I think Flores Pugh for supporting actress. Mm-hmm. I think Downey for yeah, supporting, supporting actor. actor. Yeah. And, and well, and I, I bet you it's going to be like Greta Ger- or not Greta Ger- um Barbie. No, 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 no. <laughs> there is no, there is no lead female. They're all supporting. Uh, I think that uh, just on the like hype of the film, um, what the hell's her name? Margot Robbie. Thank you, thank you. Margot Robbie is probably going to get a nomination just because. Like, I just can't imagine her not getting a nomination. Um, but yeah, and then obviously this film will get best adapted, best director, best it's cinematography. Gonna take- it's gonna take all the technical shit. I don't. I like even now. Oh, sound design, halfway, editing. Yeah, since we're halfway through the year, I I'll, I can already guess that fucking nothing's gonna beat the sound of a nuclear explosion going off, <laughs> except for the guy snoring beside me, because that sound was amazing. <laughs> uh, so you did you in? I, hold on, I gotta. I, first off, I want to talk about Christopher Nolan. Like, what? Uh, what his stipulations for this film and just before I lose track of it. Okay. So his stipulations were uh, a marketing budget 
a production budget of 100 million, marketing budget of 100 million, exclusive theatrical window. This is my favorite. And I think I talked to you about this, like even before we'd seen the movie. So he gets 20% first dollar gross. So for any of you out there that don't know what that means, it means the movie doesn't even have to make money, money. He gets paid on 20% on every fucking dollar that comes into the film. So he's already made $6.6 million. This movie could like fucking flop and he's still getting paid. And that, that is such a powerful uh, contract to have because you're guaranteed your back end regardless. And it avoids all the like shady Hollywood accounting where they're like, oh, the film didn't make any money. You're like, but it made $2 billion. I'm like, yeah, but there was expenses. So there's no money for you. He's getting paid no matter what. That's a Chris. That's a Chris contract right there. Oh, it, I hope it's a Chris contract at some point. <laughs> um, to so to my point about this being like a super serious movie. So Matt Zoller cites at RogerEbert.com had this to say: as a physical experience, Oppenheimer is something else entirely. It's hard to say exactly what, and that's what's so fascinating about it. And I 100% agree with that statement. I, I'm really having trouble explaining this film with any type of, other than just like, it's beautiful and it's well acted. It's like, it's so powerful. But I don't know if I've ever seen a film that kind of like, and again, getting to see it on that big screen, although we were a bit close, that is my fault. <laughs> we were very close to that nuclear bomb. Uh, seeing a big film print like this, I don't know if I felt, like this whatever this is about a film in my like maybe ever yeah i get what you're saying like to me this film's technically it's it's pretty much to me it was like three movies in one right like you have like your courtroom drama yeah, and that that gave you a totally different feel than anything else right because you had the two technical, like the Oppenheimer, what was it? The uh, not his trial, but his security clearance. The security clearance, yeah. So you had like that intensity plus the the Senate Robert, hearing. Yeah, the Senate hearing for Robert Downey Jr.'s character to, um, you know, become part of the Senate, and and those had totally different feelings. Then you had like technically, you know, kind of his personal life story, which had a different kind of thing because you kind of feel for him there and then you had technically the the story of the building of this um of the atomic bomb yeah so i think i think that might be why because going in you're probably thinking this film's one thing when it's really you know it's a good soup right it has a bunch of different ingredients mixed into it that you know just makes you feel uh makes you feel i don't want to say good but like it it makes you feel something after when it's all done and they all blend together i 100 yeah i agree with you um how like how did it make you feel as a as a as a audience member yeah like uh all all these uh comments about people being super depressed after the movie i was not depressed um it it made me you know it made me thankful that, you know, I listened to somebody and, and watched it in the IMAX. Now, again, watching it in 70 mil, 
70 millimeter or going to the our local cinema and just watching it the way it's presented now i have no idea what the difference is going to be and i really don't know if i want to rewatch another three <laughs> a three hour movie again right um but yeah like i enjoyed it like to me this is one and, and we've said i've said this before in terms of the podcast like nolan is one that i was kind of losing interest in terms of his films because it was becoming more like I'm going to make it so fucked up you're not going to understand what it is but it's still beautiful to look at kind of films and I think this one kind of in my like it made me enjoy it more because it was straight and narrow there wasn't really any like do you get it like winking at the audience like do you get this like do you understand black holes because i do can't you tell and you're like i don't know what you're doing in this movie why is everything backwards why is the sound weird so so that's why like i enjoyed this and it is one i would say one of the better or it, it will be his i don't want to say magnus opus but i think this is the one that a lot of people remembered for yeah like spielberg and you know josh but uh no it's spielberg and schindler's list but it's the one or saving private ryan right like those are the two that they're like fuck spielberg um i think this is gonna be it i think it'll be this one in fucking dark Knight rises or no dark Dark night yeah just dark Knight. Do you think this is hit like you personally? Do you think this is his best film? Um, like I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched all his film. I've never watched Interstellar because I really couldn't go for another movie where somebody has to save Matt Damon. I'm like, <laughs> I'm tired of fucking this damsel in distress, Matt Damon. Um, so I haven't, I haven't watched that, and I've never finished Insomnia because that movie has put me to sleep every time I've tried to watch it. Which it's supposed so, it's supposed to be the exact opposite. It's insomnia, yeah. not sleepy time. Yeah, those are the two I haven't I haven't like watched yet, so I can't really say. Like this is for me, this is one of the tops. Like it's Dark Knight, then it would be this one for me. Or actually, no, it would be. Well, oh fuck, what's his first one? Um, Memento. Oh yeah. no, follow or or is it following? No, Memento. Memento, the okay. one with Guy Pierce. That yeah, one's yeah, yeah. the number one for me. That's a fucking cool flick. Uh, you know, and that's a you know, so you can you know, if you look at like Dark Knight, Dark Knight is super entertaining. Again, beautifully shot, fantastic film. I found that this film was like, <laughs> I don't want to say it was it, it was not entertaining in the way you expect to be entertained by a movie. It's like it really was like watching history unfold and just being in awe of it and. I, 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 films like this, I don't even know how you direct something this big. Like, there is a scale to this film that is sim, like, feels like the scale of it, what, of what it must have been working on the atomic program. Because, like, like you said, there's multiple kind of story aspects going on. There's insanely good cinematography, but there's also like him showing chain reactions of like, uh, a nuclear explosion and and then all montage together and by montage i mean just like in the sequence of not like montage the way like a rocky montage is plus that <laughs> score that fucking score is amazing like the use of sound in this film was perfect like i i know that in tenant uh people complained about like oh not being able to hear stuff and everything which has to be deliberate because like when you make a film you do a whole sound post process uh it, it's not accidental uh, he definitely didn't have that problem in this film. 
the composer is Ludwig Göransson, uh, and he, I think he worked with him. Uh, actually, he worked with him on Tenant. Um, but it's so powerful and so perfectly done. Like, there's nothing you could change. Like, I, it doesn't have the same like John Williams like distinct. Like, you can't like you come out of Jaws and you're like no 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 no. But this is just like the best. Like at the shots and the music go together so seamlessly they just become one. It's like uh, you know fusion, not fission. <laughs> I, do you do you just have these little like uh, little nippets written down? You're like, oh, I gotta say this because it sounds smart and it ties into the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just a really smart guy, so yeah, um, <laughs> and and uh, and humble. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Like in terms of the casting, like fucking amazing, right? Like n- not even the main cast, but when you have all these like cameos of actors coming in, and you're like, holy fuck, it's him. Um, you're. I thought it was fucking amazing to watch, right? Especially you just nodding, knocking me over like, is that Gary Oldman? Yeah! Like, <laughs> fucking, I didn't even, like, there's so many. Okay, so you've got Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Remy Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Benny, Sa- uh, I can never say his last name probably, Savadi, uh, Sa- the, the, one of the director's guys, right? Um You've got uh, Gary Oldman. You've got uh, the list is just like I'm looking, scrolling through the list. It's massive. Like, so even uh, to get uh, to get this cast. So Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon and Emily Blunt for sure took pay cuts. Uh, They got four million each instead of their usually 10 to 20 million dollar salaries. Like I, I can imagine like actors being like, you don't even have to fucking pay me like every single role was perfectly the fucking actor that played albert einstein like spot on like there is not a bad casting decision in this entire movie robert downey jr was so good i like turned to scott and i'm like who played that dude and you're like it's fucking robert downey jr buds like i couldn't believe he just disappeared like it's good to see him back in like proper acting form like no more like not marvel bullshit or whatever like Reminding us that he actually is a really fantastic actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I always thought he was a good actor, but um, what was I going to say? Like, I think in this terms is of... his best role since Chaplin. Sure. Um, you disagree? Like, there's Air America. Like, chances are, fucking, there's so many good roles. <laughs> but, fair enough fair enough but i mean as a big dramatic lead like i think chaplin was the one that like really stands out as like a like a tour de force as an acting yeah star. but he technically he's not a lead in this one right correct um but yeah in terms of your comment prior about the cast uh matt damon was actually about to start a acting sabbatical and he told his wife the only time, only if Nolan calls him, he'll go. And so then, then Nolan, Matt called Nolan and he's like, yo, I got to get the fuck out of the house. You got to give me this role. No, apparently <laughs> Nolan called him like literally like three or four days after or something like that. Like literally they made this arrangement and then, yeah, he, he called them. And the other thing, I think I read this now. I can't really believe everything you read on the internet, but in terms of they got the script, but no one knew who they were playing until they got on set. Yeah. Is that, is that, 
Yeah. Like that's, that's the same information that I've got too. Like, I don't know if it meant that they like until they were on set, but like basically until all the casting was done. And then it was like, here you go. Like even when Robert Downey Jr. went to read the script, Nolan had it at his house and it was written in black on red so that you cannot fucking copy it. Like, I mean, I guess you could take photos of it with your phone or whatever, but I, I, I picture like Robert Downey Jr. like reading it and Christopher Nolan standing with his like arms crossed behind him or some shit like that. Like that motherfucker isn't leaving here. And uh, like, that was the level of secrecy, which is weird. It's like the same level of secrecy for the script as the Manhattan project, right? People can't know who's doing what and where. We got actors in different parts of the world working on this film. Uh, I'm really happy that this film got made. Uh, I'm really happy I got to see it uh, in like beautiful 70 millimeter film. And it just shows like there are, there's a reason we go to the theater. Like, I don't care how big your fucking home theater is. You're, you don't, it's not going to be this. Like you're, you're not going to get this at your house. Um, and I, I would recommend that a, I do think that if you like film, if you like cinema, if you're looking for to be super entertained, don't go watch this film. Like it's, no, it's I, not, I think go watch it, Barbie it first and then do the whole Barbieheimer thing. No, I think it was entertaining. Like what you, I mean you is are if you're looking for like a, a, like a, like a, popcorn big movie jurassic park kind of summer vibe yeah you are going to be come out of this movie depressed like physically not well well yeah i guess based on you know what happened um but listen like in terms of i know you're saying one of his demands is the 100 million like matching marketing budget just the memes and everything about this movie that's been going on prior to it like this it's the free advertising that they're getting i think is what's gonna give it some some legs especially after this first weekend oh absolutely and not because not everybody's gonna be able to do like the actual barbie uh barbieheimer double feature so like I'm, i'm gonna go see barbie today uh and so i'll have completed the weekend uh but you're right like you, you we talked about this as well like you could not buy the level of like market penetration that they got by accident like i don't know who started the whole barbieheimer thing but it, it itself like a chain reaction just kept going and going and going and going to the point that like you have people doing mashups you have people making like like I sent you like a TikTok or something like that, where people were like the, the Oppenheimer Barbie, like live action, like with toys, like it's crazy. Um, and again, like that hundred million dollars is, did not buy that. That was all free. So I wonder how uh, upset Tom Cruise is <laughs> about all this. Like, why isn't there a mission impossible Barbie? <laughs> oh, Barbie dead reckoning. I can. <laughs> Anyways, well, I think, too, like, no one really goes up against Tom Cruise, right? Like, in terms of openings. And I think when, when you know, WB was fitting Barbie in and, you know, whoever, who who ended up producing this or distributing I, this? I thought one? it was Universal. Okay, so Universal does that. They pick this one, right? They're literally thinking it's two different target audiences right like barbie's only going to be for the females and you know stereotypical hollywood they probably think that you know it wasn't going to have legs or barbie has all kinds big... of legs what are you talking about 
you know what exactly <laughs> they just don't have vaginas or penises <laughs> but and that oppenheimer would probably score in terms of the the male de- demographic Which, i'll be i'll be honest that was the demographic that was at the theater on friday it was primarily dudes yeah <laughs> but there was a couple yeah there was a couple of the barbie people that showed up because we did see them in the pink after and we even commented like fuck five hours in a theater man that's well good for cineplexes because that's a lot of fucking popcorn and pop you just you just buy it's a lot of a lot of a lot of toilet breaks i'm surprised you actually uh you did good you uh, made it through the whole movie without having to go pee yeah well i couldn't wake up the guy beside me man like he was <laughs> snoring i couldn't like tell him to move his legs because he he looks comfortable right like but fuck, I, I just can't believe the guy fell asleep right before the bomb is going to go off and did not wake up when the bomb went off. <laughs> yeah, so. and not to like give anything away. Uh, again, I, I highly suggest anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it by the time you listen to this uh, podcast, go go and watch it. When they do the countdown for the uh, first test of the atomic bomb, like I was, I was, it was like I was on a roller coaster and I'm going up the hill part of the roller coaster waiting for it to get down to zero. And then the way they shot it with the like aftershock and everything, I was like, this is amazing. But I was like gripping my seat, waiting to get like punched in the chest from the like low end uh, base from that shockwave. Like <laughs> it, they did, they, yeah, they're like, I've, I've seen this film described as like a biopic inside of a thriller. And it's, it's true. Like it, really this could have been a super boring film, but like some old man that did some old ass shit. And Christopher Nolan keeps you on the edge of your seat for basically three hours. Like everything about this film is well done. Like I don't do, was there anything that you found like didn't need to be there? Oh, I'll say like in terms of, especially it being three hours, like I think like I'm a novice in terms of this history. Like I knew nothing really about it. I just knew they built the bomb and they dropped it on Hiroshima. Um, And Nagasaki. Yes. Look, that, that was literally a, a line from the movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> they're yes, just yes, talking yeah, about, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they're talking about Hiroshima, and then Oppenheimer corrected them. They're like, there's another one, too. Um, But, yeah, like, watching it, watching the struggles, and, you know, it was kind of a, an interesting callback to Dark Knight, because, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough and you're the villain right oh my god you should we should just finish on that that's perfect but we're not going to Uh, i was gonna say because i had a question for you too yeah 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 so i mean so right now it's got 94s across the board for critics and audience three hours long like i said made 33 million i really hope it like at least makes its money back fucking christopher nolan doesn't care (laughs) he's he's already six million dollars richer than he was but you know before the weekend started so that's not bad what's your what's your question um because you know about all these demands and stuff like that um here's my question uh, is kenneth brana's demand that you know he can't be english anymore because why is he always <laughs> playing like russian and danish like... yeah 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 and he's doing all the agatha christie stuff too right so yeah. <laughs> uh i mean he's a shakespearean actor right so he probably likes to do the character stuff as much as possible um yeah, man, I can't, I just, I can't get over how good the cast is down to like even the most minor of characters, right? So this yeah. is the advantage of when you're someone like Christopher Nolan. It's like when you, when you call, people are like, I'll be right there. 
Yeah, it was like not spoilers, but same thing. Like we're talking about, you're talking about like Rami Malek, right? And then when you first see him, it, it's like he's a background player. Like yeah. he, he hardly says any. I'm like, how did this Oscar fucking nominated person just was no, it just did like he win the Oscar? I think so. Yeah, I thought he but won. I, it that's what I'm Freddy saying. Burton. Like yeah, Oscar yeah. nominated and everything like that, right? And I'm like, it does. Like, does no one have that big of balls that he's like, listen, you're gonna be in my movie, but you're you're just a background player. You're like, just gonna hold an right. umbrella, you're not gonna say anything, just yeah. stand there. And, and then you 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 don't you kind of forget he's in the movie, and then he ends up being kind of pivotal in terms of the turning point on the Senate stuff. And yeah. when he actually has his lines and shit like that, you're like, Holy shit. I forgot. Well, you're right. He's- like, I, I don't even know if he he says like five words when he first comes on the screen and he, you're right. He's like a backer. He's playing like the assistant to some other dude. <laughs> like, so yeah, man, again, that is the power of like being one of these directors, whether you're Tarantino or Spielberg or Nolan is you're like, I'm making this tour de force film and you can be part of history or not. And there you're like, if you're an actor, you're like, yes. Like Robert Downey Jr. Says it's the best, the best film he's ever been in. Yeah, like in terms of content, the biggest context I have is rolling um, Oliver Stone's JFK because mm. that one too was just like fucking one actor after another actor, and it was all like the top actors at the time. In at the time. 90s too. Well, and yeah, he was he was definitely like the director going into JFK. I mean, then he started making some other kooky stuff, but at that point like he was the man i would argue like oliver stone was like the hot guy in hollywood and had been for a while at that point so he had that kind of power and that is our wrap for the day please like and subscribe to this podcast tell your friends if you want to get a hold of us reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com So Scott, are you uh, gonna Barbie Heimer this weekend, or when's when's your Barbie experience? I did it yesterday. Oh wow! And uh, did you enjoy with Barbie? Good. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Did you take the kids? Uh, I took my two daughters and my niece. So. And and uh, are you? Uh, do you think you'll go? I know you said you aren't sure, but if you were to see Oppenheimer again, would you do it differently? Like, would you? Yeah, I'd probably just go regular just to see what the difference is, right? Like, to compare and contrast. Uh, Like, because my son wants to go watch it, but now after watching it too, I'm like, there's a lot of times I would have to put my hand over his eyes, right? No, man, that's art. And Florence Pugh, she does some good art. Especially in that trial scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.